0: Time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Got a great show on the way today here on Reengineering Your Finances. We're going to be talking about planning for retirement's uncertainties. How in the world can you do that? If you have these things that are uncertain and unknown, how can we plan for them? Well, we're going to reveal exactly how that happens in Charles's planning process coming up in a few moments. If you're new to the show, I'm Walter Storrholtham, joined each episode by Charles Weldy. He's the man we turn to for financial advice and guidance. He's the founder of CP Weldy Group. Charles is also a certified financial planner. Uh, basically just the like the best designation you can have as an advisor fiduciary responsibility helping you prepare for your retirement goals and helping you achieve those through proper planning you can find more information about charles online at cpweldygroup.com. charles great to be with you this week what's going on in your world
1: Uh, not too much water we're wrapping up
0: the summer looking forward
1: to getting down the jersey shore for an extended weekend and then back in the saddle right after uh, labor day
0: yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, it's a good time of year as we uh, are recording this episode. And by, by the time this one releases, Charles, it'll be still a good time of year. We'll, uh, we'll just be turning that page into early fall. We'll be full swing in football. I know you're looking forward to that. The Eagles this year, what do you think?
1: Uh, I think the Eagles uh, should make the playoffs. You know, okay. nothing's easy, but, you know, I think they'll have a better than 500 record. And that Optimistic. seems to be, uh, you know, seems to be the ticket to get into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, especially in that division. <laughs> just just yeah. get, through, get through the gauntlet, right?
1: Yeah, but you know what? The division's a little tougher this year. Dallas is always a good team. Mm-hmm. I think we're rated second. And then... Uh Third would be Washington with our old, neme- uh, well, I don't know, nemesis, but Carson Wentz, who was a big disappointment. I used to like right. him a lot. Now not so sure. And then the Giants seem to be on the way up. So we'll see. You know, it'll be fun.
0: Yeah, it'll be fun as always. And I uh, hope everybody is enjoying uh, the uh, transition into fall. All right, well, let's get into the today's topic, Charles, planning for retirement's uncertainties. There are many things that We know we'll have to deal with in retirement. We just don't know how to predict when or to what degree we're going to experience these different things. And so my big question for you as we work through these is, well, how in the world do you construct a plan that deals with unpredictability of all these different factors? So we've got seven different factors to cover on today's show. So let's walk through each of these, Charles. The first one's a big one, you know, life expectancy, longevity of an individual. Kind of hard to know those exact answers. So how do you go about working with that in a plan?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, we did a webinar recently and we covered like the 18 risk in retirement. And um, longevity risk, uh, basically, if if you can solve for longevity risk and two other risks, The other like 15 disappear. So the point I want to make is longevity risk, life expectancy, you know, long life expectancy is really what they call a risk multiplier. And by that, Walter, I mean that the longer you live, you know, the higher probability that other risk will come into play, like long term care. Um, you know, maybe like higher taxes, um, you know, interest rates, uh, going up, uh, inflation. So, um, you know, to solve for longevity risk, you really have to like build inflation into their, you know, income plan. And you also have to account for future income taxes, maybe some, do some tax planning uh, inquire about, you know, the health of their parents, you know, at what age did they die if they're not, you know, still living, um, you know, the client's health generally overall, I generally ask them like, Hey, on a scale of one to 30, one means like, uh, you can walk on water and 30 means you can barely fog a mirror. What is your, uh, you know, what is your health uh, look like? And, and people are all over the, you know, I guess the universe from one to 30, but it gives me a good idea, you know, whether they think they're going to live long or not, but, You know, by and large, when I do a plan, uh, I kind of do a plan where the second person, you know, if they're married, is going to live to be 100 just to see if, you know, there's enough assets there to sustain like a 25, 30 year retirement. So. Life expectancy, longevity, you know, it, it, that's, you know, we don't know. Uh, but by and large, you look at the history of the family, your current health and, uh, you know, what your expectations are. And you arrive at, you know, a, a figure that perhaps uh, you can work with and the client feels comfortable with. And generally speaking, that's in like the low to mid 90s in my book.
0: That's a great point all across the board there. That's the life expectancy or longevity breakdown. What about uh, another uncertainty in retirement? Interest rate changes. You know, even as we speak right now, Charles, there's a lot of people trying to figure out, all right, we're going to keep seeing interest rates tick up. Are they going to go back down, uh, stay the same for a while? So it's kind of getting a little bit interesting in that world, trying to figure out what interest rates are going to look like just in the next year or two, let alone what they might look like further into retirement.
1: Yeah. Well, when it comes to interest rate changes, I mean, we were spoiled in like the eighties, nineties. I mean, interest rates seem to go up with inflation and bonds were, you know, a good place to be. We, you know, got some, you know, good fixed income, the supplemental retirement income. But, you know, with inflation, you know, in the past at like treadline three percent and interest rates suppressed very low. It was just a matter of time before interest rates had to come back to like you know normal levels, whatever that is, but it's greater than three percent. And we saw that in the last, uh, I guess, half year, interest rates went up twice, and they're probably going to go up another uh, two times in the next half year. Uh, if you know, if you know what the Fed's saying is, is accurate, and I think it is, because we have to maybe um, you know solve for this high inflation. The only way to do it is to raise interest rates but um the way that we're kind of combating that in our planning is that any client that's in bonds you know and I'm not a particular f- uh, fan of bonds but obviously if clients uh, you know have to have a certain portion of the portfolio in fixed income we're really like steering towards short term or intermediate term bonds not long term bonds because as interest rates go up your bond values go down so uh, as an example if you have a 3% bond that you own and you're happy with and interest rates go up to four. Now your neighbor can go to the bond store and get four percent. You're stuck with three. Your bonds worth less. So what we're doing, you know, in our practice is we're looking at our clients portfolios and we're kind of cherry picking that fixed income out of their portfolios. And we're actually uh, you know, replacing the short and intermediate term bonds with fixed index annuities. And, you know, annuity might be a bad word for a lot of people. And I would say, like, you know what, they probably don't understand them, but, you know, just keep an open mind. Would you rather have an interest-bearing instrument that could go down as interest rates go up or would you rather have an interest-bearing instrument that can never go down and whose interest rate might be pegged to the stock market with certain limitations? So my point is that we're finding uh, more and more clients um you know getting out of bonds you know with a rising interest rate environment and putting their money in a safe investment that is guaranteed not to go down and will give them a fair rate of return with like little or no risk um so that's my spiel on interest rate changes i think they're going to continue to occur uh within the next half year and as they occur whatever you own is probably going to go down in value depending upon the duration of that bond
0: I think it's important to have a good grasp of that and especially to see some of the back end for, you know, the why, why you plan that way when it comes to evaluating those interest rate changes. So what about this next one, future tax rates? I know this is your specialty, Charles. Uh, You specialize in creating tax-efficient retirement plans, so we don't know exactly what those future tax rates are going to look like. How do you go about incorporating that into your planning?
1: Well, I mean, we all know that in 2026, tax rates are going to revert to what they were, you know, I guess, like uh, prior to the tax rate changes that occurred, you know, four or five years ago. So, you know, if not before, I mean, obviously, uh, they're, they're printing money, they're spending money and, uh, you know, they're not taking away entitlement plans as we speak. I think they're actually thinking about ten to twenty thousand dollars of student debt being canceled. And that's going to add to, you know, somebody's got to, to pay it down the road. And the only way we're going to pay it is via taxes. So uh, that's a big area of mine. And I want to give a, a shout out to the group I'm affiliated with. It's called uh Clarity to Prosperity, uh, a fellow by the name of Dave Allison. uh, He created like uh, this process called the tax management journey. And it's a seven step process that we take our wealth management clients through You know, after we deliver the plan. And I'm not going to go into too much detail, Walter, but it's like, hey, understanding the order of money. All money is not taxed the same. So what should you take out first? What should you take out second? Blah, blah, blah. And then it's like measuring your tax bracket. There are seven different like tax brackets. We try to keep you, we call it in the green zone, where hey, you know, we're going to try to keep you in the 10, 12% tax bracket. Some people we can get to the 0% tax bracket, but if they have a pension, you know, chances are that's not going to occur. But 10 or 12 is good. So again, measuring your tax bracket, knowing like, hey, we can maybe have some capital gains in the 12% tax bracket and pay a big fat zero in income tax just because that's the way that the tax brackets are uh, configurated. Avoiding marginal tax traps. I mean, there's people that... Um, you know, all of a sudden their Social Security is taxed a lot, a lot differently than regular income. I mean, there's three types of income. There's capital gain, there's ordinary income, and then there's Social Security. Well, that Social Security, depending upon, you know, what your other income is, could really like be a torpedo tax where all of a sudden you only took out like 10 grand out of your IRA and you might be in the 12% bracket, but all of a sudden you paid 27%. Why? Because it impacted the taxation of your Social Security benefits. Um, tax sensitive assets. I mean, you know, there's people that, uh, have too much money and I call it the red zone and ordinary income. They should have maybe qualified dividends or long-term capital gains, or maybe some tax-free Roth IRAs or some cash value life insurance, uh, gifting strategies. I mean, I always like gifting strategies. I'm going to give to my grandchildren, but no, I mean, I could give to my parents if they were still alive. There's people like listening to this podcast that have parents that maybe they're supporting one way or the other. Well, it might be prudent to gift them some stock. The parents sell it; they're in the ten or twelve percent tax bracket. There's no capital gain, and now they use that money to pay for, you know, whatever their their needs are, as opposed to the child, you know, paying tax and then like giving them the after tax money. And and you know, there's a lot of other gifting strategies. And then pay now or pay later. That's probably the biggest. Area today that, you know, when we do plans, hey, should we prepay our taxes on that qualified money? Because, uh, you know, I'd rather pay tax on the seed of $100,000 than pay tax on the seed and growth of $250,000 down the road. Again, it, you know, it's not a right or wrong answer. You got to crunch some numbers and really see if it's advantageous for people to do strategic Roth conversions year in and year out and then lastly step seven is like really managing you know your your dynamic tax bracket i mean you know tax planning is one and done but tax management is really like a lifelong process so that's why i'm excited to be part of the dave allison's group i took his uh training course uh what we're into like uh, august now i took it last month uh third time i took it and it's like going to boot camp you know a lot of the stuff i know but it's so like valuable to go back to boot camp and maybe pick one or two ideas up that maybe perhaps you know in the past you, you weren't really implementing or I wasn't really implementing. So when it comes to future tax rates, I mean, I don't think anybody on this podcast will disagree that they're probably gonna go up. And we were always trained that when we retire, they're gonna go down. And I would just say, hey, because of the state of the economy, uh, you know, they're printing money, you know, uh, everybody's like, you know, kind of at home, chilling out, not working as hard as it used to be prior to the pandemic. I think taxes in the future are going to go up and I think they're going to go up substantially.
0: Yeah, great points across the board there, Charles, as usual, and uh, especially when it comes to taxes, we know that you are the one to turn to. All right, let's get to this next one, retirement's uncertainties. By the way, if you have questions for Charles, you can always call him at 610-388-7705. Charles is based in... Philly, Delaware, and Chester County areas right there in Chadsford, PA, on Route 52 is the home office. If you've got questions, again, give them a call at 610-388-7705 or cpweldygroup.com, also your place to go. What about year-to-year stock market returns? Now, I encourage our listeners to go back and listen to the previous podcast because you had a really nice breakdown of uh, kind of an example in that podcast, Charles, uh, where you kind of broke down what the you know average return is over the course of many years and uh, kind of how that doesn't really match up with what really happens year-to-year. So anyway, let's take that conversation a step further. How do you plan for that uncertainty of what's going to happen in the stock market every year?
1: Yeah, so I mean, basically, um, I'm just going to like kind of review like what I went over in the previous podcast. So basically, in the last like 96 years, right, the stock market has been up 71 times and down 25 times, right? So two out of three years, the market generally goes up. Uh, it can go up as high as 54%, which it did, you know, at one point and as low, it can go down as far as 43%. So obviously there's a big disparity between like, you know, rates of return, but over the last 96 years, the average return has been 10%. All right. So 10% a year is what we can expect. Over time, but the key to anyone on this podcast is like year-to-year year stock market returns. You have to just, you know, internalize this, you know, this saying that I got from a fellow by the name of Nick Murray, and Nick says short-term sure unknowable, long-term inevitable. What that means is that in any one year, I don't know whether we're going to get that plus fifty-four or minus forty-three, but I know over time that we'll probably get somewhere. If his- history is any guide, an average of ten percent. So basically what we do to maybe like combat the uncertainty uh, or to account for the uncertainty is we'll put as a general rule those equities in a later bucket. And a later bucket is one that, hey, we probably don't need that money for a period of seven to 10 plus years. And, you know, time will erase the volatility, It makes things a little bit more digestible. And, uh, you know, obviously, if you have um, money in qualified plans and they go down in value, say we have a bear market of 30 percent, that's not necessarily a bad thing because, A, we have that money in that later bucket. We don't need it right away. And B, we might be able to dip into that later bucket and take out a portion of that money and maybe convert it to a Roth IRA, pay taxes at a reduced rate. When the market recoups, we have you know more income, tax free income. So actually it could be an advantage you know, uh, this this year-to-year to year, year to year stock market return, uh, you know, the, the ups and downs in the market could actually work to our advantage if we plan for it.
0: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and please do go listen to that previous episode, further breakdown that kind of is eye-opening about those stock market returns year-to-year year, if you want a little bit more on that topic. All right. Uh, our fifth retirement uncertainty that we've got a plan for here, Charles. How do you go about um, analyzing the solvency of Social Security? Do you have a lot of people that come in nervous about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you get some people like, oh, I'm going to take it early because you know, they're going to go bankrupt. you know. And realistically, I mean, they're not going to go bankrupt. I mean, the reality of it is there's a lot of changes that they can make to Social Security like tomorrow that would actually, uh, you know, enhance its solvency. But again, it's a political thing, so nobody really wants to talk about it. You know, like if I were ahead of the Social Security, you know, uh, fund where I they hired me to quote fix it, I would basically say, all right, let's uh, let's uh, change the full retirement age from I don't know, maybe today it's 67, let's just make it 69. All right. People are living longer. So, you know, work a little longer and wait a little longer to qualify for your full Social Security retirement benefits. Right now at 62, people can take their Social Security. Maybe I'd raise that to 65. Uh, you know, maybe the you know, uh, delayed, you know, I would raise to 72. But my point is that, you know, these are changes that can be made that will actually increase the solvency of Social Security. And we know, Walter, that every year they increase the Social Security wage base uh and the rates are pretty much the same but obviously in the in the future they could go up and that's another way to make sure like hey you know even though there's less people working if we have a higher income base and you know we could collect you know a little bit more tax and they've been doing that historically for the last like 15 20 years so when it comes to solvency for Social Security, if I have clients 55 or older, I tell them like, look, you know, we're going to go with what's going on in terms of our software and our planning. You know, you're going to get your Social Security until the day you pass away. If someone is uh, younger than 55, I mean, you know, we'll kind of go with the same scenario, but we'll say, hey, wait a minute, like there's a possibility that, you know, the government might change the, the rules. And, you know, from what I hear and read, and again, this is, you know, far, you know, this is just my opinion, it's not etched in stone, but they're thinking the younger people, what they might do down the road is they might have them put half of their money in social security, bucket, so to speak, and then allow them to, to redirect the other half to an investment of their choice so that they have two piles of money. One that's half of what it normally would have been because they're only putting half the benefit in the social security pile and another one where they can save. And I think it's going to be a mandatory savings for themselves to you know, help supplement, you know, this uh, potential loss of social security benefits to those that are extremely young.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point about those Social Security concerns that people have, and glad to hear that you're able to help uh, kind of point people in the right direction in understanding those elements. And, you know, those future health care needs, uh, that's going to be a big one for a lot of people. That's going to also vary widely. I mean, that's the uncertainty there. We're, we're probably going to all have those health care needs, right, Charles? It's just going to be that variance that we've got to account for.
1: No, absolutely. I was walking up the to steps today to come to the office, and, I, you know, I said, oh, I'm little, I got a couple of breaths here what's going on? Nah, but I mean, as we all get older, obviously, yeah. you know, uh, I mean, I have an accounting background and we call it accelerated depreciation when it comes to machinery. I mean, you buy a machine, maybe it's going to last like 10, 12 years. And at the end of the seventh year, it starts really like, you know, having problems. And I think, you know, we weren't built to live forever. So the body, unless you take care of it, it's going to age and, you know, deteriorate as we get older. So, Future healthcare needs really is the trump card, so to speak. I mean, you don't know how many plans that I do, Walter, where I say to the you know recipient, I say, look, you know, everything's fine. The only leak in the dike is you don't have long-term care. And it's not like I want to, quote, sell them a long term care policy, but I'm a holistic planner. And if we cover like ninety nine percent of the you know, uh, dam, so to speak, and there's a little leak that actually could make the whole thing you know, burst at some point in the future, the client at least has to be aware of that. So I just educate people today that, hey, long term care doesn't mean that, you know, you got to be in a, uh, a nursing home. Nobody wants to be in a nursing home. You could be at home being taken care of. You don't need a traditional policy that you pay so much a year. And then if you don't use it, you lose it. I mean, there's other opportunities out there to really reposition assets to perhaps pay for a long term care need. Uh, and and now I'll give you an example, like a in life insurance policy. Somebody could get a $300,000 life insurance policy. And they fund it properly. Let's just say they put $25,000 a year in for five years. They put what's that, $125,000. Uh, when they die, somebody gets $300,000 tax free. But however, if, if they live and need to have long-term care, that policy may be designed to provide them with 2% per month of the $300,000 death benefit, which in this example is $6,000 a month for up to four years for long-term care. So that's a, a way to reposition assets, leverage a long-term care benefit. If you didn't need it, you pass away. Somebody gets 300,000 tax-free, but if you need it, you got that nut covered. So, and that's just one example. There's annuities that do kind of this something similar, but people just have to be open-minded and not put their head in the sand when it comes to future healthcare costs I mean, I'll, I'll finish up with a story that, you know, it's a wonderful story. It's about my father. My father died in 2004. So, you know, right now it's what, 2022. So that's a long time ago, right? That's 18 years ago. I was my father's financial planner. And I remember saying to, to him, I says, dad, and, and again, like, you know, just the background of this story is I have 10 brothers and sisters and I'm the financial planner and I'm talking to my dad one-on-one. I'm like, dad, you don't have any long-term care. I mean, if something happens to you, what am I going to tell my brothers and sisters? Well, my father looks at me. And he says, You know what? He goes, Tell him I pray a lot. All right. And I didn't know what to say, except I kind of laughed. My dad died in his sleep, but that was his plan. He just prays a lot, you know. And I would just say, like, Hey, it worked for him, but it might not work for a lot of other people. Future healthcare needs are really. Uh, A concern that really could skew your financial plan because we didn't save all that money to give it to the government or give it to the uh, long-term care facilities. We really saved it to live off of, you know, and obviously to transfer wealth to the people that we love.
0: Uh, I think you make some really good points there. And thank you for sharing that personal story as well, Charles. And Um, interesting how you can look back on that and say, yeah, worked out here, but, you know, applying it forward, does that work out for everybody? I'm sure you've seen a lot of people come in who maybe had a similar idea or a similar strategy and stories of where that did not work out, right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's really like the Trump court.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, this last one that we're going to cover, retirement uncertainties, this has been the one in the news this year, inflation. (laughs) How do we account for that, Charles?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when we build like a bucket plan for people and we find out what their income gap is, we build inflation into that. And even though inflation today is like north of 8 percent, I mean, we're still using maybe 3 percent for normal inflation and maybe like 5 percent for healthcare inflation. So by and large, you know, it might be closer to four when, you you know, you kind of like. Average it all out. But um, you know, we just say, say hey, if you need like, you know, a thousand a month today, next year you're gonna need a thousand forty. You know, so we build that into the plan. I mean, I think it's really critical to create a rising income to cover rising expenses. And although it's kind of unusual that inflation is like eight and a half, nine percent as we speak. I mean, I remember when I was you know, growing up, just got married, I got like a mortgage and I think the mortgage was like 9%. And I was dancing in the street because 9% was a low rate. CDs were probably paying 12, 13 at the time. So are we back to that era? I hope not. And I don't think we are. I think somehow, you know, we'll probably enter a recession if we're not in one already. And uh, whether it's a smooth or hard landing, uh, you know, uh, we'll get rid of this high inflation and get back to like, you know, maybe normal interest rates, which I think aren't going to be three and they're definitely not going to be eight. They may be somewhere around five, five and a half percent. That's my read on it. So, um, and again, like, you know, when you retire, basically travel yeah that goes up a lot but you know you're not going to travel for the rest of your life you'll probably travel the first 10 12 15 years and then you know you'll again that, that accelerated depreciation on the body you'll probably sit at home and uh, kind of reminisce on all the pictures that you've taken i think with inflation the big thing you know is uh just prepare for it and make sure that you use a reasonable inflation rate. And again, you know, even though it's eight, nine today, I'm using four. And I think historically, you know, I feel comfortable using four.
0: Things averaging out in the long term. Uh, just kind of how we talk about the, uh, the, the you know, market returns, right? Um, oh, absolutely. There's going to be up years, down years, but let's try and see how things smooth out over time since we're all about the long term planning here. Well, really helpful today, Charles, thank you for filling us in on some details on all these different retirement uncertainties and your approach to planning around all these items. If you need some help planning for your retirement in this kind of way, you know, planning for the future, looking at all these things that you don't know about in your plan, how do you handle all of it? Well, that's why you would pick up the phone and give Charles a call so you can get some custom advice to what your needs are in retirement. 610-388-7705. If you're a couple years away from retirement, now is the time to start acting and putting these plans plans in place. Uh, you can also go online to cpweldygroup.com and get more information about Charles and the planning process there as well. Well, Charles, thank you so much for the help, and we'll look forward to a new episode with you next time around. Thank you, Walter. All right, that's Charles Weldy, and we'll talk to everybody next time right back here on Reengineering Your Finances.